right. Good morning, everyone, and those on Christian Coffee Time. And we are, for our visitors, we're recording the message for uh, goes out on Christian Coffee Time, out on the internet and stuff. So there we go. Nice to see you here today. Uh, make sure you have your writing material and then your Bibles, of course. Take your Bibles and turn them to Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to continue on where we left off, sort of, kind of. We've been going through the Gospels and chronologically, and we are in Matthew 24. As the Lord Jesus has left the temple, he's, he's um, coming out of the temple. As, as you know, you've read this a thousand times. The disciples come to him, they're showing him the buildings of the temple, and uh, he says, all these things are going to be, going to be all torn down, it's all going to be gone, and they wanted to know um, when that would take place and what would be the sign of his coming and the end of the world. And we looked at, now, um, last week, I know we didn't have a service, there was a, a problem, an unforeseen circumstance taking place last week. But I did have a message and brought a message from here and recorded it and put it on. And Robin sat there was the audience. And I told her she needed to shout amen in different uh, tones every once in a while. <laughs> but that didn't work out. Anyway, so last week we just uh, talked about um, the end of the world. <clears throat> At the end of verse 3 there. And um, uh, it's interesting. As you know, we go through and we study the very words that are in the Bible and see what the word is that the Spirit of God gave the writer. And that world, a word, world right there means age. Okay, it doesn't mean the end of the world as we know the world. It means the age. Okay, the end of this. Uh, um, and the word when it says the end, it means the completion of. So you could say it's the completion of the age. And so we looked at that last week and we talked about the end of the world. And then way over in verse 44, it says, the Lord Jesus, after explaining all these things, what's going to happen in the future, and all these terrible things are going to come upon the earth, and he says to them, he says, be ye also ready. So we left it off with that last week, as the, the Lord says in the Bible that the world is going to come to an end, things are going to change, and great changes are going to take place. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to meet your Maker? You don't get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? He's the door to heaven. You don't get there by your baptism. You don't get there by your going to church or being a good person, all that stuff. What did Jesus have to go to the cross for then? He went to the cross of Calvary to pay for your sins and my sins and the sins of all people of all time. Amen. How could he do that? Because he's the Son of God that was God in the flesh on the cross of Calvary. God paying for our sins. Amen? Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. That's what it was. That's what took place. He died on that cross, gave his life as a sacrificial lamb, shed his blood on that cross, and they buried him in the tomb. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. Amen? Amen. The Bible says he rose from the dead to show who he is. He's the Son of God. Some people say, well, he was just a man, or he was a good man, or he's a priest. Well, yeah, he's a priest and king. He's the Lord Almighty. He says, I am the I am, except you believe that I am. That's a title of Jehovah from the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 3. Mm -hmm. He says, except you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. But he rose from the dead to show who he is and that he's defeated sin and he's defeated death. Isn't that good news? Amen. That's great news. 
That's the gospel. The word gospel means good news. There it is right there. The bad news is that we're all sinners. We've got this, we got sin upon us. We've got the sins of Adam. We've got our own sins because we have this sinful nature that's in rebellion to God. But Jesus paid for all that. Jesus paid for all that. We should be shouting hallelujah. We should be jumping up and down, should we not? Something, eh? Okay, let's have a look at this this week. That was last week. We looked at that. Be ye also ready. And the Lord warned, warned his, uh, um, his uh, disciples. He said that... Um, he didn't answer their questions right off the bat. He said, um, you just take care that you're not deceived. Now, deception is something that we will see around in our time here almost 2,000 years later. And deception is something that is very much present, okay? Whether it be in uh, um, government, whether it be in religions and such, there's all kinds of religions and isms. They're not all right. There's only one right one, isn't there? That's the, the Bible. What it says about Jesus Christ, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. This is what God has said. This is what God has done. He has given his son to the cross, rose him up from the dead. Will you accept this? Will you believe in this? Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Will you be saved and accept what God has done for you right now? Seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Because it is pretty simple. But he said, you be careful. Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying that I am Christ and shall deceive many. We see that today. There's many different, uh, for instance, uh, you look at some of those uh, ones on, on, on uh, TV that beg for money, or they don't beg for it, and they demand money from the people and such, and they're doing all that in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. And they're fooling the people. It's deception. Jesus said, you beware of that. And he says, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Well, we always have wars and rumors of wars, don't we? It seems that there's always been that. Today there's rumors of wars, isn't there? There's rumors of world war right now, eh? You hear that coming up. We had uh, um, somebody commented on, on a couple weeks ago, saying all this stuff that you're talking about here is in the past. It's all gone. It's done. Granted, when you look at some of this, when you look at these things, um, I tell people, read Matthew 24, Mark 13, uh, Luke 21, and Revelation chapter 6. They're all four things that go together. Especially, it's very evident in uh, Luke chapter 21. Was the Lord Jesus talking about the things back then, or was he referring to the future that was to come? We know that the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 9 that there is coming, there's a left, a seven-year period of time left, okay? And the Lord God has been postponing that for over time, hasn't he? We also know that back, and we get the opportunity to look back through history and see um, in A.D. 70, some things happened, and in Luke 21 you see where... Um, uh, some of those things that would seem, seem to be that it's mentioned there and perhaps he was speaking of that at that time But I'll get to that in a minute Was the Lord talking to them about what was going to come in 70 AD when the Roman armies would come and destroy absolutely destroy Jerusalem and the people would be slaughtered and they would be taken in uh, as slaves and sold out to all kinds of countries all around the world and such 
Or was he saying, you watch out for the end times and stuff that's future yet from us? Probably from that part and parcel back in that time, I would think, wouldn't you? But when we study our Bibles, we must keep something in mind. That when the Lord speaks on a topic or something like that, uh, uh, speaks on a topic, there can be a dual meaning to the thing. For instance, I mentioned a while ago, but back in Ezekiel chapter 28, the Lord says to Ezekiel, take up a lamentation against the king of Tyre. Okay, the king of Tyre was an evil and wicked man. So he's talking about, take up a lamentation against the, the king of Tyre. Then he goes on to say, thou art, thou wast in Eden, the garden of God. Wait a minute, the king of Tyre wasn't in the garden of God, was he? No, he wasn't. So you have a dual thingy going on there. Did you see what I mean? You see, there's a dual meaning to that particular thing in Ezekiel 28. He starts out talking about the king of Tyre because the king of Tyre himself was a picture of the devil himself. And those things that happened back in 70 AD, perhaps he's saying this is a picture of some of the things that's going to happen later on. I believe that with all my heart because that's how the Bible's laid out when you read those things like that. Amen. Could it be that... Um, and some say, well, these things have happened. We'll just stop and think about it for a minute. If you go into, let me have a timeline here. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. If you go in the timeline, um, it's going to talk about what we're backwards here. Um, how many have seen the Lord Jesus coming in the clouds? Oh, that didn't happen yet. Oh, okay, that didn't happen. All right, how about the 666? Is, it, is that around? That's not around either, eh? What about the sun, the moon, and stars being darkened in the sky? And the stars falling from heaven, no, that hasn't happened either, okay? So you can't say that it's all happened before. People can say that if they want, but that's an error. Some of the things that happened prior can be pictures of what's coming in the future, okay? We'll just say that. Let's get back down to this here. Nation, verse 7, nation shall rise against nation. Now, we've seen that. Uh, we can see that there's going to be some terrible up, upheavals. There was back then, there will be in the future. Uh, and kingdom against kingdom, there shall be famines, there shall be pestilences, there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, different places, earthquakes. Now just stop and think about that for a minute. When an earthquake or some uh, very extreme weather condition hits, do people immediately think, I wonder if this is from God, and God's trying to bring a message to us, God's trying to get my attention. Do people think that way? Not really, do they? They don't think about that that way. They think that they can control the weather by this and that and the other thing, don't they? That is not necessarily, not necessarily from God. Um, the things that the Lord may show to people, uh, He says He wants us to. Um, he says He wants us to, uh, um, to understand the times and understand what's going on and all that kind of thing. And we let's consider the earthquake for a minute the weather and catastrophic weather. Uh, generally looked at as natural occurrences, natural things in nature, and it could be. Their minds, uh, the people that don't believe and don't want to believe are far from God, far from realizing that God can and does use extreme weather conditions to get people's attention. He does that. For instance, a drought. Did God ever send a drought upon certain places? Yeah. It happened, didn't it? It did. 
Why? To get people's attention. He's kind of just knocking on the door a bit, tapping on the shoulder. Have I got your attention yet? People don't listen. They don't listen at all. They don't believe this. They don't even believe that there's a God in heaven. He wants to, and he does display his displeasure with their behavior. There was a preacher, I think it was Leonard Ravenhill, and I think it was back in the 60s, said something to the effect, and I could be wrong with the, I think it was Leonard Ravenhill, it may not be the 60s. He said if uh, God doesn't do something soon, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And, but God will do something soon, won't he? Things are, things are going to come. And that's why we're looking at the end of, end of time and the end things. God will actually will punish the ungodliness in the world today. The shift today in governments, if you've noticed, it's a shift towards a, a communistic, socialist type government is what they want to bring in. And one of the tenets of that is that there is no God, that the government will be God unto you. We'll provide everything for you. You just look to us. The government wants to control everything. There's a shift today because that will be the government of the Antichrist in the end times, isn't it? People don't see it. The main tenet of communism, as they say, there is no God and the state will be God to you, to provide for you, to look after you, to direct you, to control you in every aspect of your life. Hey, that's God's, God's job, isn't it? Sure it is. Many people don't seem to want freedom. They want to be controlled and ruled over. But God's methods, some of the methods he uses in correcting and such is extreme weather. Extreme weather. We go to verse 8. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. He says, they were interested, when is the end going to be? And he says, well, there's a whole bunch of things going to lead up to that. And I said earlier, and it's a good study for you to take your Bible and read Matthew 24 and compare the things that are happening here with Revelation chapter 6 because they're companion passages. They speak of the same thing, the same period of time. Maybe some different information there, but it's the same things. Um, all these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. Now, just a minute now. I really, really wish that there was an escape hatch. I really wish there was. I don't see it in the Bible. Then, in the, in, in the beginnings of these sorrows, the beginnings of these upheavals on the earth, um, they shall deliver you. Now, we need to consider who is you? Who's he talking about? He was talking to his disciples, okay? They were all Jewish men, okay? And then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. That's uh, to suffer things and to kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. If you were to, some people say, well, that was 70 AD. Well, wait a minute now. No, it, the you referred to then would be just the Jewish people back then. And how many of those people in Jerusalem are actually believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? Apparently, some have said that the believers uh, fled the city and they were gone, but I don't, I don't know that. To be afflicted and shall kill you. These are passages that's hard to talk about. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to look at this. No matter who it's going to be that's going to be there, there's going to be some terrible times. These are awful things, folks. Life can be terrible and such. 
You ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? Even today, all across the world, Christians are being uh, um, uh, persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. We live pretty uh, remote from all that stuff. We think persecution today is we go and knock on somebody's door to share the gospel and they slam the door in our face. That's not persecution. You go and read in Matthew chapter 25 when the Lord begins to talk about the end of it all and He comes back and He, and he gathers up all the nations before and, he, and he, he, he sets them that are righteous and them those that aren't. And he, says, he says, these ones over here, He says, you, you, gave me, you gave me food to drink and clothes to wear and visited me and so on and so forth. And the ones that didn't, He condemns them. He's, when, did, when did that happen? What's He talking about? He's talking about after, after the great tribulation and how he's going to judge things and judge the world and such. There's going to be people that are in need of all kinds of things. There's going to be those that believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to remember that this is not near the end. This is at the very beginning of the seven years. Because the sun has not been darkened yet, has it? The sun doesn't darken until way over here. He tells us it's in this first two years over here somewhere. Perhaps one year into it. Some say, well, it's way down. No, it's not. Not if you look at what the Bible says. Anyway, let's go on from that. It's deliver you up to be afflicted. Could it be the Jews primarily? Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, the Lord said, uh, sent the angel to Daniel and, and said that... Um, Seventy weeks shall be determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. Upon thy people. Daniel was a Jewish man. So basically, primarily that last seven years, that uh, what we call the tribulation, primarily is towards the Jewish people. And he says to, to make an end of sin, iniquity, and transgression, and to bring in righteousness and anoint the most holy. There's one other one there. I can't remember what that sixth one was. And... Uh, but it will overflow to the whole world as we see that. Uh, was it the Jews primarily? Is that who he's talking to here? Perhaps. But for thy name's sake. Now the Jewish people don't generally stand up for the Lord Jesus, but there will come a time when they will. Let's go on here. Um, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. I want to just point something out to you right now in this, this portion here. It says, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Can you imagine? You're a Christian. You take a stand for Jesus Christ. And every nation in the world is against you, no matter where you are. Eh? They're going to persecute you. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? But watch this. And we go down to verse 14. And this gospel... That's the good news of the kingdom that we just talked about, that Jesus Christ on the cross and resurrected and salvation for anybody. It's free for anybody. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations. And then shall the end come. Wait a minute. Who's going to preach that? Those same people that are persecuted. It's not going to stop them. It's not going to stop those ones, and it shouldn't stop us either. What stops you and me today from witnessing to somebody, from witnessing to our neighbor, from witnessing to somebody in the grocery store or just handing out a tract or something? What stops us? Fear of man, probably. It's one of the big ones. Just a fear that somebody might 
might say, oh, I don't believe in that, get out of here. Picture this, these ones here, he says, are going to be persecuted for their faith. And he says, and they're going to be killed for their faith. They're going to stand up. Nonetheless, they're going to stand for Jesus Christ. We're going to witness for Jesus Christ. And we don't care what happens. Fear him that, or don't fear them that can just kill the body, but afterwards they can do nothing else. Fear God. Amen. There's a great lesson here for us, just in this bit here. Be encouraged. Be strong. Stand firm for Jesus Christ. Stand up for Him and speak up for Him. Amen. We don't have any persecution right now. Nothing, really. Not like what He's talking about in, in this, on this page right here. I just found that was very profound. Is that the word? I don't know. The ones that, the ones that are going to be persecuted the most are the ones that are going to make sure that gospel gets out. And that's why they're getting persecuted, I suppose. But nonetheless, it says the gospel gets out to all nations, and then the end would come. He says, um, oh, let's get down to here. And verse 10, and then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. There's going to be a change in the government and such. The Antichrist is going to set up, his, or have his government going to be set up for him and everything else. And people are going to go away from the Lord Jesus Christ and go away from God. And there's going to be a terrible time of people turning against each other. Now, we saw a little bit of that during this so-called pandemic a couple of years ago. And that you had some were in favor of what the government was saying, some were, and so on and so forth, back and forth. But nonetheless, there was a, a problem. There was a problem, a very serious problem, one that we can hardly even talk about. It's going to be a hundred times worse than that in the end times. A lot worse than that. We can see how the enemy can set things up and set people against each other. It says they shall betray one another. They shall hate one another. They're going to be a divided people. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because, now look at this in verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound. Now that word iniquity right there, you have in the Bible that talks about sin, transgressions, and iniquity. Sin is basically the missing of the mark. And the illustration used for that, how many uh, ever shot a bow and arrow, archery and stuff? Few have, eh? And you got a mark there, you're gonna hit, you know, the, you never, never hit that center. That's kind of the definition of sin. You're never going to hit the center. There's always something wrong. Sin. Transgressions means that there's boundaries, and we step over the boundaries. And iniquities means, simply means a, 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 a wickedness. But it has the idea in there, the wickedness, that comes from lawlessness. You could say right there in verse 12, and because iniquity, you could say, and because lawlessness... That's the definition of the word right there. Lawlessness shall abound. Have you noticed anything today in the world today? Laws and rules are falling by the wayside. and People are doing all kinds of crazy things. Just whatever they want. You go back and read Habakkuk. I think it's chapter 1. It says wrong judgment does proceed. Mm -hmm. It does. And it does exactly that. Lawlessness. 
People need rules in their lives. We need the rules of God and such to govern us. We need civil laws to help us. Could you imagine if all the laws are gone? It's going to be worse than the Old West, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It would be worse than that. We must have those things. But look at one of the, one of the most terrible results of lawlessness and iniquity, what these things cause. Verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound or overflow, the love of many shall wax cold. Now that word love right there is the word agape, which simply means uh, sacrificial love. It's the same word right there. For God so loved the world. He, he, he has a sacrificial love for the world. Yes, and he gave himself. He gave his son to the cross. But when iniquity, when lawlessness comes in, when it abounds, that agape will wax cold. Will just be slowly, slowly drained away. Drained away. Uh, sin is dis displaces or causes love to diminish. And do we see that today? Mm -hmm. The love of many shall wax cold. We can see these things today, even even much more in the end times. And then he says, um, "What about lawlessness?" Well, we don't need to get into all that. I was going to get into, but. Uh, um, just to say that the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 13 that governments that God sets up are not a terror to good works. So therefore, if the government is a terror to good works, then God didn't set them up. Okay? And we see governments today are a terror to good works. You can be arrested for praying on the street. If you pray outside of an abortion clinic, you'll get arrested. Mm -hmm. That's a terror to good works, folks. That's against what God says. Lawlessness. The laws are going. The laws are going. They want to take it in the United States. They're trying to get rid of the Constitution and such. The laws of the land, trying to push them aside. Black is white and white is black. And so on and so forth. I mean, colors, I'm not talking about people. Anyways, let's get off of that. Let's get away from that for a bit. When we get to, when we get to verse 13, uh, we'll, we'll finish up with this. But he that shall endure until the end shall be saved. And you hear some people say, see, that's works. You see? You endure to the end. You endure yourself to the end and you're going to be saved. That'll save you. That's not what it means. They that endure unto the end shall be saved. Endurance does not save you. Mm -hmm. Belief in Jesus Christ does. Amen? Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Shout it out. <laughs> Belief in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. And we should know this by now. So should everybody else. Some say that the end, end of times, end of things, that you will, if you endure, not give up, then you're going to be saved. Well, that's not much nonsense. You know that word saved right there? You know what it means? It means to be delivered. Yeah, if you endure to the end, you'll be delivered from it. At some point, the Lord Jesus is going to come in the clouds, isn't he? He's going to get us out of here. He's going to deliver us from it. All right? Now, if you were to deviate from the way of salvation laid out in the scriptures and say that they must endure until the end and so on and so forth, then you'd be saved, um, then you've got to say this. 
You'd have to say that women are saved in childbearing, in childbirth. 1 Timothy chapter 2.15 says, Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. That means that when a woman gives birth to a child, she's saved. That's not what it means, because you have to take the context of the thing, and the context is entirely something different, isn't it? It's not about salvation. Delivered from what? In that passage in Timothy, he's talking about the woman being delivered from a secondary lifestyle. And the devil will uh, uh, try and trick and confuse as he did to Eve. So you don't have to live in this. You can exalt yourself. You can be something else. You can be over your husband and so on and so forth, all that kind of thing. Delivered from a secondary lifestyle, delivered from the devil's temptation, as what happened to Eve. Okay? The Bible says that the woman should not usurp the authority over the man. That's what God says, what the Bible says. I'm just a messenger. I didn't write it. God did. Mm -hmm. Okay? And you look at society today, it's all backwards. It's all upside down. Why? Because they don't want God. They don't want the things of God. Delivery for the woman, delivery or being saved from the devil's trap and brought back to, to her intended place that God intended her to be. That's the teaching there. That's the teaching. You've got to take the whole thing there, not just that one, uh, 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 that one bit. So we look at today that those that want to kill babies and stuff like that, they're, everything's so upside down and backwards. God didn't say that abortion, you know that abortion stuff, that's simply the, the worship of Moloch coming back. Yep. They used to offer babies as sacrifice so that they could have a better life. So that, that God Moloch would bless them and they would have a better life, offer their little children. Can you imagine? But today people are offering their children in abortion. And they're offering them to Moloch so they can have a better life, not be hindered and, and tied to the children. Anyways, when the Lord says save there, it means deliverance, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. If we look at today, is there any place on this planet where the gospel has not been reached, has not gone into Matthew, Matthew, Brother Matthew's into uh, all countries but what? China? No, we're in China. You're in China? Okay. I can't think of where we're at. Okay. The gospel is getting out there, eh? Well, that's something to think about. I think we'll, I think we'll just wind it up here. There's so much stuff. When we get into end times things, there's so much to talk about. But we're trying to just draw out some applications for our own lives and such like that and how it affects us today. We see the gospel is central. If we can't take anything else out of this this morning, can you take out this one thought that was, then they're going to deliver the people up and afflict them and, and then they'll be put to death. But it also says that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. Let's just take, at least take this home with us. What stops me, what stops you from witnessing for Jesus Christ? When these ones that are persecuted are going to be put to death, and knowing that they would be put to death, they're going to stand up for Jesus anyways. Amen? Amen. Amen. Just do what you can for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all. 
We're going to stop right there. We'll carry this on uh, next week, Lord willing. Let's just have a word of prayer and we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, we just would like to thank you now, Lord. We thank you for your word. And we know, Lord, when we get looking at end times, there seems to be so many different ideas and such. But we just pray that you'd help us just to take what your word says on these things. And Lord, help us to make the applications in the Bible to our own lives and take home something from it, Lord. It's not just all academic. It's not just all knowledge. But Lord, we have some things that affect our lives. And we just thank you that right now, Lord, we live in primarily a peaceful uh, attitude and, and country, although we know that things are backwards and upside down. It's nothing like what it's going to be. But Lord, we just ask that you give us the boldness. And we know we have that through Jesus Christ. We know that the Spirit of God is inside and with the believer, Lord. There's nothing that we should be afraid of. Lord, help us to see what are we afraid of. Why do we not want to witness when we should? You have left us here for this purpose. You've given us this ministry of reconciliation. So, Lord, we just thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for enduring the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead and showing us. Thank you for saving our sin-sick souls, Lord. Use us, Lord, to get the gospel to others round about us. And we just want to thank you so much that we could be here today to worship you and to praise your name. And in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.